In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy, who's just trying to run a small business, is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Buddy, everybody appreciates the bangles. I don't care who you are. I don't care when you were born. I don't care what you're doing. When you can hear some bangles, that's a good thing, especially if you can get a little hazy shade of winter. It's kind of a ballad. It's kind of a folk song. No matter what it is, it's enjoyable. And my question for you is, is there a hazy shade, sort of a mist in your shower now, or are you still you know, sort of out of doors, as it were? No, the sh- as the people here in the studio audience can can attest, the shower is working. Obviously, I conditioned last night when I washed my hair, and uh, everything is good with the old touchscreen. We've got the system up and running. Couldn't be happier. The water is warm at least fifty percent of the time, and um, the, it's almost like the 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 Bengals anticipated uh, that whole thing. Um, great group, probably the female group of the, the greatest female group of all time. I would say rivaling only the the pointer sisters i think would be the only rival but certainly interested in the song and interested in what's going on in the world and brad with the big program indeed it's a lot going on this week my friend as seems to always be the case a lot of it hazy so good song choice no and listen and, and and one of the things i can tell everyone out there is when you come to this program for nuggets of information from pearl for pearls of wisdom from myself and l bradley Um, you uh, understand that we're also running a very successful business. We're here and we mean business. Um, Obviously, you can learn more about us on our website, ipfrequently.com, which we both do. And uh, we need you to rate, subscribe, and and review and and, uh, recommend and and any other R's you can think of the podcast. And also, uh, you can, of course, uh, catch us on social media. We're on the InstaFace the Twitter and uh, the uh, the TikTok. Uh, uh, our tagline, Brad, is at IP underscore frequently. I think uh, no 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 time has been more critical in the uh, history of our country than now for getting appropriate information to people and letting them act on it. And I think that's what we're here for. Yeah, and it works in whatever time zone you're in, which is perfect. You don't have to change a clock. You don't have to drive to a different state. You stay right where you are, you pay attention to what time zone you're in, and you will get the nuggets and pearls that you need. This week, uh, two big news items of the week. The first, Brad, inflation again rearing its ugly head, as you know, the travails that Brad went through trying to put that uh, hot tub on his deck and then super reinforce the deck and then keep it running 24-7 so it doesn't freeze in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, Well, now, now, Brad, gas prices have reached another record high. Uh, $4.60 a gallon uh, heading into the big holiday season uh, over the summer. A lot of people are going to be driving, some in Sprinter vans, others in Winnebago's, and others still in cars. And, and for whoever uh, is driving whatever car, it, it, it is going to be an expensive 
proposition to drive to uh, uh, the beach, to the, the lake, the pond. Some people go to the hills, Brad, the river, um, the creek. A uh, lot of anxiety out there about the cost of a gallon of gasoline. Um, and it looks like the Biden administration is not doing much to alleviate those concerns. The regulations that they put in place on, uh, on drilling and importing remain in place, although they are going to tap the emergency diesel reserves, which will certainly help anyone with a sprinter van. Um, but for the common man, Brad, the common man doesn't have a sprinter van. Uh, it seems like once again, they are SOL. Well, but I don't know that it's fair to say that the Biden administration is not doing anything. They are taking every opportunity to get in front of any camera or microphone, a film camera, digital camera, doesn't matter, and announce that they are doing everything in their power, which if you then look at what they are doing, seems to amount to continuing to limit the ability of the United States to produce its own power, right? So I, I, again, I, you know, no one would ever say that I have what it takes to be the president of the United States. So I'm not, not necessarily saying I could do a better job, but I wonder how you can say you're doing everything you can to bring energy prices down while at the same time doing everything you can to ensure that we are beholden to a number of foreign countries for any sort of energy we may want to produce while pretending that green energy is going to be a solution to that problem, while I suspect knowing that it takes more energy to produce those things that supposedly generate green energy than any amount of energy they will ever produce themselves. So mm -hmm. we've got ourselves in an entirely ass-backward situation here where our cost of energy continues to go up, inflation continues to go up, we continue to limit production at home, but we've got an administration saying, well, we're doing everything within our power. And so none of that, you know, if you were to put that in a mathematical equation, it wouldn't balance. You know how you're supposed to have the same kind of thing on both sides of the equal sign? Like if you have two plus three, you're supposed to have a five on the other side of the equal sign, then that equation is balanced. We don't have that. Look, gas is 460 a gallon now on average across uh, the United States, 460 a gallon. I mean, that's more than 2x what it was. And most um, people are going to need more than a gallon, buddy. I mean, just oh, for the yeah, record. Yeah. 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 I mean, remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that fine young gentleman who stole that lawnmower and then mold, mowed the lawn of the people that previously owned the mower. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, that's, they, that's not gassing itself up. I mean, someone's paying for that gas. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. So people are going to need at least two, maybe three gallons. I'm not sure. More than double what it was when the president took office. And on in every single state, uh, gas is above four bucks a gallon. And you're right. The administration is talking about how we're, quote unquote, transitioning and we're going through a difficult period. And obviously, transitioning can take on many uh, shapes and some unfortunate sizes. But uh, in this case, I don't remember a big transition plan being discussed. I don't remember uh, a, a, a congressional vote on how we're going to transition to more efficient energy, whether that be green energy or whatever, the new nuclear, who knows? But there is no plan in place. And the only transition I can see is from affordable gas prices to completely unaffordable gas prices. It'd be one thing if we were just talking about gas, but we're talking about everything from gas to home heating oil, to socks, to cereal, to uh, milk, 
Uh, don't even try to uh, talk about baby formula. I mean, obviously, we have to go to France to get that. We can't produce that ourselves because of the regulatory burden we've imposed on that industry. Um, but it seems like across the board, everything th- that uh, was reasonably priced a couple of years ago is not reasonably priced. And again, Brad, this gives uh, sort of beckons us to the words of Al Gore in the uh, big debate back in 1992 with uh, um uh, I believe Dan Quayle and uh, Ro- Ross Perot, uh, vice president, that ad- the Admiral Stockdale guy, the guy, what yeah. am I doing here? When, when Al Gore said, and this goes down in history as one of the great lines of all time, everything's supposed to be up, down, supposed to be down. Ugh. But Brad, if you're looking for a little good news, I'll give it to you uh, quickly. Our second big news story of the week, we have pivoted, pivoted from the COVID uh, corner and the COVID crisis, obviously, cases are up, but there are more therapeutics. We've got um, we've got uh, the vaccines that have obviously been such a rousing success. Uh, now, Brad, uh, the shadow of monkeypox uh, looms large over the U.S. economy. That the, the uh, third uh, case of monkeypox has been detected in the U.S. Um, these are uh, serious cases, t- typically tied to overseas travel. Um, but people are getting very concerned. Uh, this uh, third case has been found in Florida, a resident in uh, Fort Lauderdale, which is a lovely, lovely town with a lot of good mm-hmm. restaurants, some nice shops, some good beaches. Um, uh, this is a person who traveled overseas. He's now quarantining for a CDC mandated 21 days. Uh, this follows a case in um uh, New York City as well, also tied to overseas travel. The good news is, Brad, with monkeypox, there is a vaccine available in the U.S., and the CDC is looking into whether or not that should be widely disseminated. Um, and also, obviously, the, the first thing you say with this is, who is patient zero? Um, well, in the case of monkeypox, the uh, CDC and the WHO, the uh, ETA, the uh, WNBA, they're all looking at who this patient zero is. And apparently the monkey pox uh, syndrome, which is currently spreading like wildfire, uh, started at two sex raves in uh, Europe. And this is according to the World Health Organization. These are random events, sex raves that uh, that have taken place. And apparently um, th- this is one of the ways that uh, monkey pox is transmitted through sexual intercourse at these sex raves. Uh, Brad, what say you? Should we uh, start thinking about shutting down the uh, economy again and buying a lot of toilet paper? Well, buddy, I, you know, I mean, based on the way we responded to COVID, probably. I mean, if that's that's the way that we're going to respond anytime someone gets sick, let me just say this. If we're going to quarantine and lock down and ruin the economy and continue to wreck our children's education and have more people commit suicide, die cancer, all those things, Mm -hmm. at least monkeypox is fun to say. Like COVID is just not fun to say. It's not fun to say it. It's not, it's, it's a, it's an sort of an acronym and sort of not, it's just kind of dumb, but I would, if I'm going to have to talk about something again and again and again, I'd rather say monkeypox than COVID. So yeah. that is a step in the right direction. And look, the president was asked about this, and this is one of the one of the the, the things that uh, separates him from other world leaders. He's able to articulate what he uh, 
uh, what the American people should do when he was asked uh, recently in Tokyo um, if we should, as Americans, expect to see weeks long quarantines for people infected with monkeypox. Um, he said, no, I don't think so. Look, we've had this monkeypox in larger numbers in the past. Uh, two, we have vaccines to take care of it. D, thus far, there doesn't seem to be the need for uh, that any kind of extra efforts beyond, besides what's been going on. So there it is, Brad. Uh, pretty, um, pretty straightforward. You've got Romanet I, you've got two, and you've got D. That's all you need from the President of the United States. Right. Uh, I, for one, do not tend as a general rule to frequent sex raves, particularly those in Europe. And so I'm feeling pretty good about staying away from the old monkeypox. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can come up with a way to bring it up occasionally in conversation, again, it is a fun thing to say. It, it is. And uh, look, one of the things you can expect uh, by being isolated in 21-day monkeypox quarantine is that you don't have to pay five bucks for a gallon of gas. So that's that's one way to look at it. No, but I mean, by the time you come out of quarantine, gas will be seven bucks, but you'll be monkeypox free. And that's uh, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, next, Brad, we've got uh, the big uh, update. And this this sort of ties into the, the uh, little uh, treat we have for uh, the people here in the uh, studio audience. Uh, this week, Donald Gorski turned 68. Uh, of course, he hails from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, he is the Guinness World Record holder, Brad, for mm-hmm. eating the uh, most Big Macs uh, in his lifetime. Cool. He has had uh, he has had a number of Big Macs, and, 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 and basically because of this, because of this big achievement, bigger than anything, by the way, Michael Jordan or Christine Jenner or uh, um, Babe Ruth ever did, because he has sort of won the uh, lifetime Big Mac challenge. Um, we are going to have everyone in the studio audience get a Big Mac and the uh, styrofoam container will be signed by the great Donald Gorski. Well, good for him, buddy. I, I, so how many Big Macs does this amount to? So he, he sat down. How, how does this work? I'm looking for He sat down and ate as many Big Macs as he could in one sitting or this is spread out over his lifetime. What's the record that he actually achieved here? So over his lifetime. Okay. He has eaten more Big Macs than anyone in the history of our country and our, and our, our world at this point. Mm. Uh, he started, he had his first Big Mac uh, as part of a lunch in 1972, mm-hmm. uh, back in your salad days. I think you were mm-hmm. boxing in the Navy at that time. Uh, and he said, you know, in that moment, uh, I said to myself, quote, I'm going to probably eat these for the rest of my life. Um, and, and you would think, okay, this is, you Which know, might Hank Aaron, only be six months if that's the way you like to approach your, your dietary habits. Listen, could be, we're not, we're not ones to criticize, but obviously, and when you see these records fall, right, typically mm-hmm. when they fall, then the quest ends, right? You, you set the new record, you look at, think about, um, you know, Hank Aaron surpassing Babe Ruth and then within a few more home runs, he was done. Um, well, in this case, think about having a colon flush, something of that nature. Yeah. In this case, uh, Brad, in, in 1999, um, uh, Don, Don, I believe it goes by Donald, um, shattered the world record um, uh, for Big Mac seat in a lifetime after downing 
number 15,490. And that was back in 1999 during the Clinton administration. Mm -hmm. Uh, That has now been updated uh, to a total of 32,340. And he's still going strong. He more than doubled his world record. Uh, I don't think anyone is um, is uh, is going to catch this man, but he is truly uh, an innovator in the, um, uh, in the in the in the in the in the business of eating Big Macs, and he has now been eating Big Macs bread for fifty straight years, and, and really he eats them every day for his uh, for his meal at lunch. Sometimes he'll come back and have a dinner, um, but he doesn't really stray from the Big Mac uh, item on the menu. It's not like he's out there. You know, getting a quarter pounder with cheese or a double cheeseburger or a filet of fit. He is sticking with the Big Mac and he's continuing to uh, feather his uh, nest. And at this point, that nest is, uh, you know, 30,000 strong and he's he's still going. Well, buddy, you you actually do have to tip your cap to that. I mean, anyone who can survive 50 years of Big Mac eating is made out of some tough stuff i mean perhaps he's he's made out of nothing but preservatives at this point and that's what's keeping him going and i was gonna ask you know who knows i mean who is tracking the number of big macs that mr gorski has actually consumed but then you think to yourself no one would lie about that well when you you know that's an interesting question um that's an interesting question i thought about the same thing and it turns out that brad as as proof of his uh his achievement um he since he started, he has kept each individual burger carton and receipt um, for every burger he's eaten. So for every burger he has eaten, he has a burger carton and a receipt. He has 32,000 of these things and um, yeah, 32,340. And it's probably more than that now, assuming he's still alive. Um, but he keeps these in a storage facility. And, um, you know, he said, and I quote, when I like something, I stick with it all the time, like the Big Mac. Yeah, that will be on his tombstone, I am sure. And uh, well-deserved, buddy. You cannot take away from a guy who is not only willing to eat the Big Mac itself, something which I am not going to do, but then keep 32,000 some odd cartons in the storage shed, for which I presume he is paying, along with his receipts. Now, you would think the receipts alone would be enough or the cartons alone would be enough. I guess you could take the position that you might have some friends bring by, you know, as many Big Mac cartons as they could possibly have eaten, which is a number somewhere in the neighborhood of six. So it's really not going to push you that much farther. You have to be made of, you know, tough stuff to be eating in the thousands. And I find the whole thing fascinating, but I guess he's achieved his goal He's in the Guinness Book of World Records. What else can you say? Next, Brad, uh, back to the presidential politics. And again, anyone who um, is here in the studio audience will get a Big Mac personally signed by the world record holder. So you wait up, wait for that. Um, Back to the president of the United States. Uh, This week, of course, uh, the president has been traveling the globe touting U.S. global dominance and um, this week he and was borrowing at, baby formula from wherever he can find it, begging for baby formula. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this week, That'll Brad, he was uh, overseas and he was asked questions about the commitment the U.S. has to Taiwan, including whether or not the U.S. would go in with its full military if China invaded Taiwan. And the president said, absolutely. Yes, that is a uh, <clears throat> that is a commitment we made. 
Um, and of course, the next day, the president had to back off those uh, those comments. <laughs> and he quickly said, um, actually, our policy has not changed. And um, so a little bit of a little bit of a conflict, a uh, little bit of a conflict there. But uh, it seems like he is uh, he is um, you know hitting on all cylinders as he travels the globe. Well, buddy, there's a lot of distractions. I mean, he's he's got to find gas someplace because we're not going to produce it at home. He's got to find baby formula someplace because we're not going to produce it at home. You can't get those two things confused because your car will not run on baby formula and your baby will protest loudly and long if you put gasoline in their baby bottle. So you have to keep those things straight. And while you're trying to juggle these complex issues, it can be hard to remember what your policy on Taiwan is and whether or not you want to declare the fact that you will commit your entire military to fighting China, uh, you know, no matter what may happen in Taiwan. Buddy, can you imagine there must be a department in the White House, somewhere in the West Wing, that is what they call the walking back department, the WBD, that is committed entirely to listening everything listening to everything that Joe Biden has to say, and then figuring out how you're going to walk that back or make sense of it for the American people in an effort to keep his popularity rating at least in the 30s, right, which is epically bad, but could well be on its way to the 20s if the walking back department cannot do its job. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it really is remarkable. It, but I, I I suppose no matter how much prep you give this president, it's really not going to matter. He's going to go out and do whatever he wants to do anyway. And the walking back department can only be <clears throat> so many things. And obviously, this president is a force in love himself. But just the the way I mean, as part of this trip, he also was asked what message he would like to send that crazy North Korean leader. And he said, you know, and I quote, hello, period. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think anyone begrudges Joe Biden getting old and losing, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 miles an hour on his fastball. We just begrudge him doing it while he's the president of the United States. We would prefer that he take that back to his mansion in Delaware, put on his goofy looking Ray-Ban sunglasses, put his feet up have Hunter come in and show him some artwork and just relax, but stay out of the White House. That, that, that building needs to be occupied by someone who can do the job. It's not currently being occupied by someone who can do the job. Instead, it's being occupied by folks. And I guess I don't know what else you say when your approval rating goes from 40 to 41, other than say, hey, you know, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure. And, and, you know, a good lesson could be taken from Don Gorski, the Big Mac world record, you know, the eating champion, the world record holder. You just be consistent and do what you do and do what you know. And don't try to do these crazy foreign trip. I mean, Gorski is going to the same McDonald's every day. He's not going to Japan. No, or Taiwan. Neither of them. He's going to his local McDonald's where they have his personal Big Mac lined up in a carton that he's going to keep. Most people think of the carton as being a protector for the Big Mac until they eat it. He sees it as a collector's item. You know, everybody gets their own perspective on life. Good for him. But yeah, I mean, Biden, back to Delaware with you. Get in your mansion. Have Hunter bring you a Big Mac. I wouldn't save the carton, but you can if you want. That's what he needs to do. 
Yeah, nice Big Mac. Sit back, maybe a glass of wine, but that's neither here nor there. Next, Brad, we talked about monkeypox. <clears throat> it is sweeping the globe. There, there are cases galore. Twenty-one dollar, uh, twenty-one day lockdowns, uh, multi-day uh, facility checks on the borders. Um, people with lesions, lesions, sex parties, all this stuff. Uh, but now, um, Brad, uh, there is another disease that's going to result in, I understand, similar lockdowns. Um, and uh, this is one that has affected a number of people over the years. Uh, the most recent, Angie Yen. Uh, Angie Yen, of course, 28. She's an Australian dentist. And you would think 28 is a young age to be a full dentist, but I assume she got a degree or maybe not. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, she was going through Did you ever have your tonsils out? You know, buddy, I never did have my tonsils out. I am still carrying around my original set of tonsils, even as we speak. That's that's actually very nice. One day you can yeah. have those removed and bronzed. I might. Um, anyway, uh, tonsil surgery is obviously a pretty routine affair. Many people go through it. In this case, Angie Yen, the 28-year-old dentist, she's originally from Taiwan, Brad, moved to Brisbane. Um, at a uh, at a uh, relatively young age and is now a full-blown dentist. Uh, wanted to have her tonsils out uh, about a year ago. And when she did, she woke up with a very strange disorder. Uh, she spoke with a full Irish accent, um, full-blown Irish accent. This woman from Taiwan, never been to Ireland, never been to the EU, never saw far and away with... Uh, 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 Tom Cruise or uh, any of those, uh, the big clod hopping, you know, the clod hopping group, you know, the, the, the group that goes to Vegas and does the dance. And they all sing in the Gaelic and all that stuff. But she woke yeah, up. River dance is where you're trying to go. The river there. dance. Yeah. Yes, she, she, you, she, yeah. You, you like the river dance, correct? I do. I enjoy it very much. The vests, the clogs, the green bow ties. Yeah. It's striking. Yeah. She had never been to the Shire or any of this stuff. Mm. Anyway, she woke up with a full Irish accent and she has been diagnosed with foreign accent syndrome. Uh, and this is something that uh, could be caused by some brain or immune disorder. Um, but she noticed this right away and she has been dealing with it ever since. Uh, some of her professional relationships have been damaged irreparably because uh, she uh, speaks in an Irish accent. Hmm. And uh, this is something that uh, uh, is troubling concerning and um, something I think everyone has to think about when going into any surgery, like a um, uh, even something as simple as removing your tonsils or getting your wisdom teeth out. Well, it may be that the only thing preventing you from speaking like you're in a Lucky Charms commercial are your tonsils. I mean, I, who knows what will happen if I get my tonsils taken out? I could sound like Lucky. Oh, you could. You could. Yeah, but, you uh, easily could. This is something that's been studied by multiple scientists over the years. Uh, they said the condition foreign accent syndrome has been recorded 100 times in history and uh, is likely caused by a brain disorder or someone faking a bad accent. Yeah, I would say one of those two. It is interesting to think that your brain could have you speak in an accent that you've never heard. I mean, it's, it's something we have to keep an eye on and especially um, you know, as we uh, enter this monkeypox phase, this is something that could somehow merge with monkeypox and cause this great monkey accent type thing. We we just have to be cognizant of it. 
Well, you know, monkeys speak in a variety of accents. That's something that a lot of people don't know. And so you really do have to monitor just because you're not currently speaking in a different accent doesn't mean you don't have monkeypox. A lot of monkeys speak with an American accent. And so if you're an American and you find yourself talking exactly the same as you did yesterday, that doesn't mean you don't have monkeypox. Yep, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then finally, for this segment, Brad, back to our monitoring these asteroids out there that are flying throughout a space. Um, they're, they're just nicking. I think we had one crash into Earth last week. They're going by Earth. Some of them are, are buzzing by. You can sort of feel the breeze as they go by. Well, there Biden a, has the same message for them as he does for the North Korean dictator. Just hello. says, hi. Yeah. Hello. Hey. hey, hey, asteroid. What's up? Top of the morning to you. Well, that's not Irish. No, that's the um, dentist. Yeah. yeah, that's the dentist. Sorry, I'm confused. Um, anyway, this is huge. There was a there was a new threat to civilization, to all of mankind. A huge asteroid, twice the size of the big building in Dubai, the world's tallest building, uh, will be passing by Earth in the coming days. And for those of you who listen to the podcast, look, we are warning you of what's coming, okay? So if you're listening to this in some sort of post-apocalyptic world, where people are running around with the monkey pox and speaking Gaelic. Um, don't say we didn't warn you. There are no Big Macs to soothe what, uh, what, what ails you there, my friend. No, I mean, our, our listening, you can tell our listening audience because they're keeping their heads down. If you look yeah. out your window right now, you see someone keeping their head down. That's because they're listening to this very fine program. And they know that we're going to take a near miss from an asteroid. So again, keep your head down. So this asteroid is huge. It measures 1.1 miles in diameter, uh, and it is bigger than the world's tallest building. Um, NASA has classified it as, quote, potentially hazardous, end quote. It looks like, Brad, the DART, they did comment as part of this on the DART program. It is uh, up and running, and, and they are starting their um, journey to the big, um, you know, the big asteroid, the Didymos asteroid or Demodius or De whatever it is. Uh, they're, they're launch they've launched this huge structure at it, mm -hmm. even though it's 6.8 million miles from Earth. And they're going to try to just divert it a little bit, even though it doesn't pose any threat to Earth other than uh, all human life and life as we know it. Um, and we'll know more about that uh, in September of this year. And uh, at that point, we can sort of evaluate where we are. And if we're still here, Brad, we'll know it was successful. Indeed. Brad, this week we go to the Capitol Hill rioter um, Christian Secor, who uh, committed the crime of sitting in Mike Pence's Senate chair and going through Nancy Pelosi's desk, uh, has uh, now been uh, has now pled guilty to a felony charge uh, and faces up to 20 years in prison, even though the guidelines say it should be 20 to 27 months. Uh, the uh, judge has indicated more likely to impose a 20-year sentence. Do you think that's justice, Brad? Well, it's justice from someone's perspective. 20 years for sitting at Mike Pence's desk. I mean, even Mike Pence didn't get sentenced to 20 years for sitting at his own desk. He only had to do that job for four years. That seems a little extreme. And again, I, I just, maybe it's just me, buddy. Maybe it's just you. I mean, we sort of sit you know, kind of in the middle and look at things. But how do you sentence a guy to 20 years? I mean, if you're curious, pull up the federal sentencing guidelines that's available to the public. You can look and see, just look at the kinds of things you have to do to get 20 years of imprisonment. 
Okay? It's not sitting at someone's desk is, is typically not going to get you there. Axe murdering a few people might get you close, although not necessarily to 20 years. And how you figure that sentencing someone you don't like to 20 years because they did something you don't like is not going to come back and haunt you later when someone else is in power and they don't like you. I, I, I just don't understand. The very underpinnings of our way of life in the United States is about basic fairness, basic understanding that, hey, sometimes people do stuff you don't like. Sometimes you do stuff they don't like. We try to meet in the middle there. We try not to you know, judge people based on their political affiliations or mean things they might say. And we have gotten completely away from that at this point. And that worm, my friend, as all worms tend to do, worms hate straight lines, that worm will turn. Uh, yes, it, uh, it will. And, and thank goodness they've also locked up the man in the Wookiee suit uh, who sat in the Senate, the well of the Senate. Um, they've locked him up. He'll probably, he, he's still on uh, lockdown a couple of years later, but the, he'll never see the light of day again. And thank goodness. Thank goodness. So we don't have to survive another uh, existential threat like uh, January 6th. We should always remember it, Brad. We should always, wherever well, we are. I mean, uh, some people are going to continue to bring it up. You know why? Because if they didn't, you'd forget it because it's had no material impact on the United States. Unlike gas that is, you know, approaching six bucks in many big cities, that has an actual impact on the American family, whereas January 6th does not. Yeah. So, Brad, we mentioned the big uh, crisis in baby formula. Well, there are a lot of people taking um, steps to alleviate that crisis, uh, including uh, now the most recent uh, um, uh, study uh, that's come out uh, on transgender women um, breastfeeding their children. Uh, taking a number of hormones to stimulate milk production uh, and to um, you know then start lactating and be able to uh, feed uh, their adopted baby, I guess. Um, but this is a more um, uh, direct way to confront the problem. Of course, uh, in, in at least one case, the transgender woman born a male uh, has taken a number of different uh, treatments, including uh, estrogen and, and other uh, treatments after her wife uh, gave birth to a baby uh, and then was able to breastfeed that baby with the resulting chemicals. Um, and there are many people that have stood up and said, this is actually abuse. It's dangerous, but Brad, this seems to be a way for um, uh, people to take the bull by the horns and uh, get these babies fed. I mean, should all men be looking at the, this, um, um, potential game changer for the uh, uh, baby formula uh, shortage? Sure, buddy. Of course they should. I mean, all you have to do is pay a little bit of attention to old Occam and his razor, right? Where he said, you know, never multiply causes, or, you know, we tend to paraphrase that as always look for the simplest solution, or the simplest solution is typically best. And obviously, this is the simplest solution, right? I mean, making more Baby formula is obviously incredibly complex, not something we want to dive into. It's easier just to send planes to France and get their baby formula. Uh, and so, you know, if that's the extreme to which we're going to go, then I, yes, I'm 100% for it. Everybody take as many chemicals as you can mm. in order to alter yourself in completely unresearched ways. And then whatever happens to ooze through your skin, feed that to a baby. Yeah. I mean, that is clearly the way to go. 
and, you know, provides President Biden with some nice political top cover where he can say, hey, baby formula is actually just abusive towards transgender women who should be allowed to breastfeed their babies by taking fistfuls of chemicals, squeezing themselves until something comes out and then putting it in their baby's mouth. I mean, I don't see the problem. And this woman who is not identified by name, but her Twitter feed is uh, Admiral Fistic. Admiral Fisticuffs said, and I quote, my wife gave birth on Thursday and we finally had a chance to come home from the hospital and sleep and actually compose ourselves. But for the last few days, our daughter has been latching to and feeding for both of us. I'm so excited. There was a part of me that was irrationally afraid that the baby would reject me for not being her quote, real mom. And I'm so glad to see that that little voice was proven wrong. So once again, Brad, another humble, uh, warm uh, success story on the yeah, uh, I, I did I, my and my congratulations I didn't realize Captain Fisticuffs had been promoted to Admiral tip of the cap there uh, and uh, I mean what else can you say buddy I mean this is this is you know the world as it was intended to be lived in right here yep no absolutely I think it's uh lovely and um you know it, it, it it's a, a very uh it's a feel-good story, my friend. I don't care how you slice it. It's a it's a lovely, lovely it. tale. It's a lovely yeah. tale. Um, next, Brad, we've got uh, tragedy in the heartland. Um, uh, Malcolm McDonald from Norfolk, England or or Iowa, I guess, um, had an issue uh, years ago when his genitalia fell off due to a blood. Yes. Due to a blood infection. Now he's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, it's it's, it's a tragedy, uh, I'm sure. Uh, but then he had a new one attached to his arm for six Makes years. Perfect sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Uh, he said he Keep had going. a bunch of issues with that because, uh, uh, you know, for one, he burned it while he was cooking. Uh, he also hit relatives in the face with his mm-hmm. genitals while hugging them, mm-hmm. and it became a big problem. Uh, there was a, uh, a a famous documentary on this. The man with a penis on his arm is what it was called. And, um, you know, th- this is something that was a medical miracle when his penis fell off. And now he is uh, reaching out to tell his story of wearing a penis on his sleeve. And now, uh, finally, uh, after years of uh, carrying that uh, heavy weight or small burden on his arm, uh, he is uh, proud to announce that it has been reattached where it uh, originally fell off of due to a blood infection. Uh, but Brad, how do you feel about this? Do you think it's a, it's a, it's a problem? And there is actually video out there uh, of this uh, of this gentleman from uh, Norfolk, Malcolm McDonald, um, running around smacking people in the face with this with his genitalia, but it was mm-hmm. on his arm. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, how do you feel about this? Do you think this is something that uh, uh, should be more commonplace when this happens, or or not? Well, but, you know, there's certainly a number of questions that pop to mind when contemplating this blood infection, your uh, your penis falls off. That's tragic. I think any man listening to this is cringing even (laughs) as we speak. Oh, my God. You then go to the doctor and you say, Doc, I've got a bad foot. He says, what's wrong with your foot? You say, well, my my penis fell off and hit it. He knows you've got a problem. And so 
the next question that arises is if you're going to create an, a new penis for this gentleman, which I applaud, I mean, I think that's the direction you want to go here. I, I'm not sure why you would need to attach it to the arm. Now, my guess is there's something with blood flow, that nature. Seems to me it would have been, you know, a little more convenient if you had attached it, you know, someplace where, you know, he wasn't likely to be waving it around and hitting his great aunt in the face with it. But I, you know what, I'm no, I'm no penis reconstruction doctor. So maybe the arm is absolutely the best place to go. But why does it have to live there for six years? I believe that's what you said. Six years. Is, is it, is it, is that like the growth cycle for an artificial penis? What, what happened there? I mean, I, I can only guess that he kind of kind of liked it. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I've seen that and you've seen the videos now. I mean, he's he's washing dishes, getting dangerously close, by the way, to the garbage compactor there, the, the trash, the trash and just just hot water. And it's getting, I mean, it's clean. It looks relatively clean. Um uh, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I I can only assume he liked it. And then the question is, do you have to go and sort of recuff all your shirts, right? Do you have to, can you wear French cuffs anymore? I mean, I don't know. Anyway, Amen. that's God bless him. God bless him. I mean, again, you, 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 you tune into this show, you learn things about science and nature, Brad, that you never thought would be possible or want to be possible. Yeah. But, Again, we don't we don't write these stories, my friend. We just report them. Correct. Uh, finally, Brad, we are nearing the end of yet another episode. Uh, we've got uh, <clears throat> the great uh, segment, Bard or Band. This is a Bronze Stevie gold-plated segment. Uh, for those of you out there, we know there are a lot of people that have um, that, that basically base their lives on what we bar or ban each week. People write about it, sing their songs written about it in Norfolk for one um, in the place where the McDonald's guy is from. Uh, but this week, Brad Bard or banned Nancy Pelosi, uh, the San Francisco archbishop has banned or barred or banned Nancy Pelosi from taking first communion at her uh, Catholic church uh, quote, because her abortion views are getting more extreme uh, the archbishop did say that the leak of the Dobbs case, which is the Roe v. Wade uh, potential overturning draft, has nothing to do with it. Um, he is the archbishop of San Francisco. Of course, Nancy Pelosi is uh, from the Church of the uh, Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Um, being barred now from Holy Communion, he said, a Catholic legislator who supports abortion commits a manifestly grave sin, and he wants her to understand the, quote, uh, evil she is perpetrating. Um, and so this seems to be one that is uh, pretty uh, interesting. A couple of other things to know about this archbishop, uh, Salvador Corleone. Uh, in 2012, Pelosi's people point out he was arrested for a DUI where he was drunk while um, uh, driving uh, an automobile. Later on, he joked about that as having too much altar wine before getting behind the wheel of a uh, of a car. Um, but I guess the question is, Brad, does Pelosi warrant a barring or a banning or a barring a banning uh, for her abortion views in light of the Catholic Church's hypocrisy on this issue for many, many years? I'm missing the hypocrisy. Well, I mean, look, they uh, in, the, in the past, Teddy Kennedy was a good Catholic. 
And he remained a good Catholic till he died. He was always in good standing. They never excommunicated him. He was always able to take communion. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, the most radical uh, pro-abortion uh, president of our time takes communion. So the question is, I is, guess he's got a more liberal archbishop where he is. I guess my question would be, what changed in the Catholic Church's position, or at least in the uh, what does an archbishop run, buddy? A diocese? Diocese. Well, I, I think yeah, diocese, or maybe maybe something. Di- an archdiocese, maybe. Anyway, in the, in the area of the Catholic Church, which Mister Cordelione is running. Archbishop Cordelione is running. He would have thought, you know, they would have taken this action earlier. I guess I don't. I don't understand what changed. Now, you know, if you're asking me whether or not Nancy Pelosi should be banned or barred from most things, my answer is yes. Can we go back real quick to Malcolm McDonald? Well, I guess so. So you got this this member dangling from your forearm, right? Yeah. It's just all out there. You, get, you can't wear a short sleeve shirt. No. But like when you go to the restroom, you I mean, you just sort of think about angling your arm so you can use the stand up potty. And then you go over to this. I guess it's cleaner in a way because you go over to the sink. And then I don't think walk- it was functional, buddy, when it was on the arm. I don't think it. Uh, I, I think it was just there, you know, growing. Listen, I, I don't I don't have all the answers here, but I'm just trying to figure it out. Is he sitting down? Must when be. He, when he, or is he just standing with the arm contorted with his tube? No, that maybe can't be. No, he can't be. be. It's impossible. Be. Well, well impossible. I don't know that it's impossible. I would have said not 15 minutes ago that growing a penis on your arm was impossible. And look, I've been proven to be incorrect about that. But my guess is that the doc said, look, you, you sit down to pee for a while here while we, you know, allow this penis to come to fruition on your arm. This is almost like an unsolved mysteries segment at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, perhaps we'll have to have the gentleman on. He can explain the whole thing. I'm surprised he didn't wind up speaking with a different accent. Everything he went through. Poor bastard. Oh, Lord. Well, there it is, Brad. There's not much more we can do here. No, there's there's very little more that we can do other than one last time enjoy saying the word monkeypox. And we'll see you back here in a week on IP Frequently.